Ladies and gentlemen, The Handlebar is a craft beer bar and restaurant located right here in Chico, California on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street. And they have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. where you get a dollar off all of their draft beers. They have 28 on tap. It's a great selection and it's not a joke. That's a dollar off seven days a week from 2 to 6 during their happy hour. Again, that's The Handlebar right here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Go check them out. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based mostly in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Nice to see you guys again. This week on the show, we have our review of The Suicide Squad, not to be mistaken with the 2017 Just Suicide Squad. It's a new James Gunn film and it is currently in theaters and on HBO Max. We'll be talking about that. And Johnny, what are we drinking? Yeah, so this week we are ripping some beers from Wild Fields Brewing in Atescadero, California. It's impossible to say that without sounding like I'm a surfer. Uh, first one is going to be Make It Snappy Pale Ale. And the second beer, if you're listening on iTunes or wherever else you get podcasts, is going to be Mouse Rock IPA. That's right. But if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to hear our review of that first beer and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of The Suicide Squad. But... The full conversations of this episode and more than 200 other podcasts, dating all the way back to 2016, can be found at any of the following locations. Yeah, you can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. If you do find us on Apple Podcasts, we get new episodes to drop every Friday at 7 a.m., and you can leave us a five-star rating. You can leave us a gloriously written review if you'd like, and it really does help other people discover our wonderful little show. Shameless self-promotion. Follow us on Instagram. For photos, because that's what's on Instagram. Sure. Uh, Letterboxed for film reviews and untapped for beer reviews, uh, all at Fresh Hop Cinema. Or check out our website, freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, if you got a lot to say, though, you can send us a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. And if you want to support this show financially, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. That's where you, the lovely listener, are rewarded with weekly bonus content where we review all kinds of stuff, top fives lists. We get crazy. We do whatever we want. It's real free. It's fun. It's a bunch of extra content. And you, in turn, reward us with your hard-earned dollars. As little as $1 a week, uh, you can go more than that if you want. That'd be cool, too. But yeah, buck a week is the bare minimum, and it gets you access to a ton of recorded content that we've done throughout the years. Also, access to events. We have some different tiers where we do different Events with our patrons, and now that COVID is, for the moment, kind of not. <laughs> we'll <right>. see. <laughs> it's complicated. We're going to do events as long as we can. Yeah. God willing, if the creek don't rise. So check us out, patreon.com, Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, to all of our patrons, uh, first I wanted to issue an apology to Shauna. We missed your birthday last week. It was on the day we recorded, and I forgot to shout you out. So Shauna, happy birthday from both of us. Um, we also had a bar hang this past weekend. So thanks to the people that showed up, uh, Shauna did, was not able to make it. And it was sort of a weird thing. Chico was kind of strange. It was very smoky out, but we had a nice time. I want to give a quick nod to our next event, which will be a virtual movie night. It'll be Monday, the 23rd and keep your eyes on your Patreon feeds because a couple days before we're going to put out a little poll 
and you just get to vote on the genre, and then Johnny and I will pick the movie, and then we all press play at six o'clock, and we uh, will message along to each other and react to the movie. There's a good chance it'll be a classic film that we've all seen before. So ripe for having a couple of drinks and just just a goofy fun time. Sound about right? Yeah. Liven up your Monday. Let's have a group chat movie watch along. It's like a tweet along, but without Twitter. It'll be great. Okay, enough shameless promoting of ourselves. Let's get into beer. We're drinking beer that you've picked out this week from Wild Fields Brew House out of Atascadero, California. This, um, I guess, tell me, tell me a little bit about where maybe where you found these and why you grabbed these, and maybe we can talk after that about the about the brewery itself. Yeah, I actually picked these up at SNS Produce. Surprise, surprise. Uh, they were a brand new brewery, and actually, Andy had snagged a couple of different beers for me. I covered an Uber. It's a long story. He gifted me a couple beers, uh, and this was one of them. And I was like, wait, what is this? And he's, oh, it's a brand new brewery we just got. I'm like, well, hold up, son. Yeah. Do you have two of them? Yeah, this, right. I mean, new brewery, you're giving it to me. Like, I want to get some for the podcast. Yeah. So I ended up uh, purchasing a couple of their beers for us to review because it's new, and uh, the manufacturing behind this has quite the pedigree i was informed that this is the former brewmaster from beechwood a gentleman by the name of ryan and it is owned and operated by ryan and is that jacques i was I, I think it's got to be jackie but it's like a french spelling of jackie so i'm fine if we say jacques but i think it's probably jackie yeah, I mean, that just changes the verbiage I use in relation to their relationship. Let me really quick then, yeah, they're, they're actually a, a married couple that started this brewery. They were both, uh, like you said, they, uh, Ryan was working in uh, in the beer industry. They both have since since the early 2000s. And then when you say new brewery, uh, you do mean new to SNS. So up here in Chico, the brewery itself has been around since about 2018. Um, and Ryan has described his brewing style as a mix of science and art, which I immediately latched onto. I'd also like to say I didn't reach out in time to get them to respond in time for our recording, but if they do get back to us in the next little bit, I will either put something in audio-wise here or uh, just include it on probably next week's episode. Good enough. <clears throat> All right. So yeah, I am super jazzed for this beer. The first beer we are going to be doing, yeah. like I said, is called Make It Snappy. It's a 4.5% pale ale. Uh, featuring, I'm assuming, some New Zealand hops. Yeah. What it says in the notes I'm looking at. Yeah. Or it's just from New Zealand, and they brewed it really far away. We'll no. get into that. New, Ze- New Zealand hops. Max has more on that in a minute. But this is a 45 IBU beer, so that means I'm assuming it's going to be medium bitter. Uh, from Untapped, we read, Long ago, we set out on a quest to create balanced and drinkable beer. Beer with a crisp snap on the end that leaves you needing another sip. Beer that leaves your glass i almost said beer that makes leaves sure it's a tree no beer that leaves your glass before you know it and you wonder why you didn't buy more make it snappy there's more i should have scrolled further <laughs> i love i love it like like it feels like you always have to turn a page but it's really just a scrolling computer document and you're just like i'm staying on the first page no matter what i'm never gonna yep. see what's on the other side i'm committed also i uh, like make- that you made it wait you made it a, like a slogan you're like make it snappy which make is it snap. Great. I just figured that's the way it ended. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a great way to end the description. Sure. Hey, make it snappy. Uh, make it snappy embodies the concept with these concepts. Good God, I can't read today. <laughs> Max. Whew. It embodies these concepts with overtones of bold citrusy hop character from two of our favorites, Citrus and Motueka. Citra and Motueka, indeed. Oh, my God. Is, I just and, say citrus? No, it doesn't matter. So, I swear to God, this is my first beer. So it is just a, a two-hop beer, and, and hearkening back to what you said about the style, it's listed on Untapped as a pale ale, 
hyphen, or it might be in parentheses, but it says New Zealand. As we all know, Motueka, New Zealand hop. So I'm thinking it's probably just just a quantify a quantification of uh, of the hop variety used. But I did reach out to them and, and was like, hey, is there something that I don't know? Is there a particular style of a paleo called a New Zealand paleo? If that's true, I'd like to know, but we don't know yet. So everything else you said is correct, minus uh, any any grammatical slash reading errors. Yeah, I feel <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I feel like if it was a New Zealand pale ale, it would say it on the can. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that is just to yeah. say yeah. with New Zealand hops, which is cool because we've had beers with Motueka in the past. Yeah. I remember liking them. Uh, it's nice to have some different profiles thrown at you. So have you tried this? Have you smelled it? Have you poured it? Done. I've drank it. I've done all of them in the opposite order. I poured it, then I smelled it, then I tasted it. And so far, I like what I'm getting. It's actually super hoppy, a bit aggressive, feels stronger than 4.5%. Um, and that's kind of my first my first vibe. It smells very fresh, by the way. I'm going to check the date on the can, but have you done any of those things yet? Yeah, I've done all of them. This beer is <laughs> snappy. It is very, very snappy. No, it's, it's crisp. It's for sure aggressive. It's got a really intense upfront hoppiness, which, which I like, you could have probably told me that this was a single IPA and I would have believed you because it definitely does have the body. Um, it is not thin. It doesn't drink or taste like four and a half percent. No, like the, tell me that this is half a percent higher than, you know, Coors Light. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to believe you. It's definitely robust and it's got, it, Real session IPA vibes, but I mm. dig it. It's um, it's a big pale ale though, for sure. It's it's a little on the chewier side than what I'm used to from pale ales, but I like it. It doesn't have a ton of malt, which is yeah, uh, something that I would detract points for from a normal standard pale ale. They can be too malty sometimes for me. That's why I kind of stay away from that style. Yeah, unless unless I can try a little bit first. Like if it's on draft, I'll definitely give it a whirl. But I find myself not necessarily seeking out or even purchasing when there's other options, cans of, of pale ale, like single cans. Uh, so it was kind of fun to be able to do this for the show just because it's a, a genre of beer that I don't normally seek out, like I said. So I I enjoy it, though. It has not many of the things that I don't like about pale ales, and it's got a lot of the things I do, and also a ton of IPA characteristics. This is like blindfold me, I would probably guess IPA first. Interesting. Yeah. I think given our geographical location here in Northern California, Chico, if you're just joining us, um, it maybe goes without saying that, that I think easily the most sort of internationally ubiquitous beer probably comes from our hometown, which is, which is the Sierra Nevada pale ale, which is an incredibly malty pale ale. Like, mm -hmm. so to what you're saying, when I picture the style of pale ale, I do sort of project a pale ale, a Sierra Nevada pale ale in my mind. But I don't know that that's indicative of the style in general. Certainly though, even if it is, this one is not that. Like you said a half a percentage higher than Coors Light, which is a weird way of thinking of it. I will give you an even weirder one though, which is it's a half a percent uh, weaker than a White Claw, which is strange Whoa. because it drinks just about as refreshing as one. This is the closest thing to like a crispy boy pale ale I've ever had. Yeah, definitely. I have a four pack of a dry hopped Pilsner from our brewery last week that I want to give you one of just so we can try. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely, like you said, kind of a crispy boy vibe happening. It does have, it's like re refreshing and crisp, but mm -hmm. somehow still it does have a ton of body. Yeah. This is definitely like, it's got a, it coats the mouth a little. It's definitely not a lager. 
uh, or a, a pilsner, but it it drinks kind of like a crispy boy. You're right, very refreshing. Yeah. It goes down super easy. You could convince me that this was a hoppy lager. I bet if you if someone were so inclined, because it does have that. It's got that drinkability, but it is really really hoppy and aggressive. I like the choice of the Motueka and the Citra hops. I think the the brightness and the citrusness of the Citra is going to be, I mean, pretty universally okay in most beers. So many of them use mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we're, I guess we're past first impressions at this point, but, but I do like this quite a bit. And I did check the bottom of the can and it was canned on uh, July 20, I believe that's a seven, July 27th. So we're like, mm-hmm. we're like two weeks fresh right now. So this is, Freshy, fresh, this is fresh. ideal. Um, you got any negatives? Hmm. I don't like that, uh, heavy on the mouthfeel for a beer that's so light in ABV, um, yeah, I think that's my main issue with it, and I don't think it's it's more of a nit than an issue because I'm yep. it's not going to stop me from drinking it, and it's still delicious. But that's probably the only negative thing that's really jumping out at me. Yeah, I don't but even you, I don't agree with you on that. For me, it's there's there's no weight to this. Like it feels about as effervescent and light as any any beer I can think of below like six percent. Like it drinks pretty darn close to a Kolsch or some type of lager. Um, so I don't even have that nitpick. I think my my only thing is that maybe flavor wise. It does leave a little bit to be desired in terms of um, aggression sounds negative, but I mean like making a statement like intensity perhaps. It's it's a pretty mellow pale ale, which is is not always what I'm looking for. Sometimes I want something that's going to be like whammo, kicking the door down. But I think it's still think really it's, good. You, th- you think it's, you're going to say it's mellow with that much hop presence and that much punchiness yeah, I mean, in such a drinkable beer? Yeah, I guess that's, that's sort of the double-edged sword here. It's like the more hop you do add and the more of that intense flavor, like to some extent, maybe the less drinkable this would become, the less of a crispy boy, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. But still, this comes back to personal preference. And I think I would just like to see a little bit more aggressiveness. Because, And I think this is true for you too. Like neither of us are crazy on session IPAs. And I do mm-hmm. agree, like this is sort of flavor-wise kind of in that ballpark. Yeah, I think so. But I still like it quite a bit. Me too. I think it's quite tasty. It's a really well-made beer. It's solid. It's not changing my life, but it's definitely above average. Yeah, I would for sure drink it again. So I say for now, why don't we rate make it snappy out of 10? This beer for me is 7-3 yeah. all day. Man, we're getting we're getting too, too in sync. We got to get some more divisive beers up in here because uh, for me, it's a 7. It's a very, very well-made beer. I'd happily drink it again. Uh, if I weren't working later, I would happily finish this entire can, but I probably, well, it's four and a half percent. Who knows? I don't work in a, That's true. I, I play music for a living in case there's any new listeners. Uh, yeah, I think me, me drinking okay. a beer is not, uh, if anything, it's encouraged, I think. Yeah. Well, does your job come with a, a bar tab? It does. So there you go. Well, there yeah. You go. It's almost written in my contract <laughs> that I have to drink. <laughs> yeah. I think you'll be okay. It's not true. That's not true. Legal team. Not true. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I think unless you got anything else, you, you get on, on make it snappy from Wildfields. I would say it's definitely worth a try. If you're a, a pale ale junkie, you can track it down. Uh, it's it's moderately priced. It, it didn't break the bank. So I'm going to say it's it's worth a shot, especially for being a new brewery with someone with such a good reputation. And if you like Beechwood beers, I think these this one at least is worth a try. And, and I'll revisit that thought when we go for the second one. But it, I would say it's worth your consideration. Solid, above average beer. I should also say if, if you are, because we're, again, in Chico, this is from Atascadero, so it's made its way north a bit. But if you're in an area and this beer sounds good to you and it's not in your local bottle shop, you can order directly from their website. So do that. Support oh, nice. a local they're brewery. Ship, they're shipping within California. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Very cool. Okay. So nothing else on this for now, my friend? No, I think we're good. So with that, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get a chance to try and make it snappy, uh, I would love to know. 
please tell me what you think. Reach out. Do it. Yeah. Again, you can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. Or if you want to go above and beyond, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We are going to play you a trailer for The Suicide Squad. If you haven't seen it, don't worry. We're not going to spoil it till much later in the show. So don't go anywhere. Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court need is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't- Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my head, on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. Is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan Hound. Oh my god! A werewolf? Yo, they sat me next to a werewolf? Yo, let me out! Yeah, he's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? All right. Let's get it. Suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! That was a trailer for The Suicide Squad that just dropped in theaters on H- and on HBO Max, but we'll get into that later. First, a synopsis. Facing the potential of a mysterious global threat, United States Intelligence Officer Amanda Waller blackmails America's worst supervillains into a life-threatening mission, which, in addition to possibly saving the world, would commute each of their prison sentences by a degree of years. Their assignment, to destroy the Nazi-era laboratory called Jotunheim, which contains a secret government experiment only known as Project Starfish. The laboratory lies deep within the hostile country of Corto Maltese, and after a violent government coup, the local authorities can no longer be relied on by American, the American government, and it's up to the titular Suicide Squad to get in, get out, get their hands, fins, and paws as dirty as necessary to get the job done. Yeah, so it was written and directed by James Gunn. You might know his name from Guardians of the Galaxy, Volumes 1 and 2, and then 3, and then not 3, and now 3 again. We'll talk about some of that stuff later on, but this movie stars Idris Elba as Bloodsport or Robert Dubois. He's kind of he's just like a deadly assassin with a super cool suit of armor, and, and his daughter is potentially going to go in jail, so he's like, yes, Amanda Waller, I will do this. You also got John Cena as... Peace, uh, peacemaker. You got Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. She's reprising that role. Same with John Kinnaman, who played Rick Flagg in the 2017 film. You got David Dastmalkian as Abner Krill or the Polka Dot Man. And uh, of course, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, who Johnny just mentioned. You also got a whole smattering of supporting casts who include these. Hi, Courtney, Peter Capaldi, Daniel Melchior as Ratcatcher 2, uh, Michael Rooker, Alice Braga, Pete Davidson, Nathan Fillion, Sean Gunn, Flula Borg, and even the voice of Sylvester Stallone as a giant 
shark. Johnny you left Summers. off Taika Waititi. I did. I did. How dare I did. You? I'm so sorry. And Taika Waititi uh, via a couple of flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Release info. Johnny, tell me about it. Yeah, this movie just dropped on July 30th, uh, 2021, obviously, in theaters and HBO Max, and it runs two hours and 12 minutes long. Sounds about right. That's 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 kind of that's kind of what I was expecting going in, like a a, a reheat of a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both kind of looking forward to this, I believe you possibly more than I. But then I started seeing good mm-hmm. things. Like I started watching the trailers, and like, well, this actually looks like it might be pretty good. And we can talk mm-hmm. about why that is. But before we do, what what did you actually think of the Suicide Squad? So my initial thoughts were, uh, obviously they had a base to build upon, which was the original, you know, the suicide squad. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in my opinion, this is a far superior movie. That one lacked a lot of good writing and a lot of any form of plot. Terrible. I personally enjoy the suicide squad, the original or the first one, Uh the, the precursor to this movie. And I will be the first to admit that it is a terrible movie, but I liked the characters. I like a more, dark comedy r-rated approach to superheroes so i'm always going to have a soft spot for the suicide squads of the world the my, dead wait my man we should point this out then because that one was pg-13 was it really yeah which is probably one of the like reasons it was r i bet you if you put these side by side nobody would be like which ones are and which one's pg-13 <laughs> yeah uh, which we'll I, get into I also vividly remember during the first now that you mention it the first review because i believe i either reviewed it or flick picked it but i remember saying that it would have been much better if it wasn't PG-13. Yeah. So they had an established kind of sandbox to play in. And what happened is you get all new supervillains and a new mission and new supervillain that the supervillains have to fight. There's just levels of villainy yep. to this. Yep. Nobody's really good. Uh, but nobody's like all the way bad either. It's it's really interesting the way they did that. Um, but... This movie is very character-driven. The focus on individual characters is what propels this movie. And I, there was not much backstory on a lot of them. There was like just enough. Uh, but I found them all endearing with what little were given about them. Yeah, but do you mean, do you mean I, character-driven, like, like character interactions watching them? Or do you mean character development? Um, character development and also individual characters. Okay. Like there's a plot, but the plot is propelled by the actions of the characters, their development and their backstory. Yep. So this, this is a very character focused movie. Yeah. Uh, I really like that this didn't pull many punches. It kind of throws you right into the action and just grabs a hold of you. And in a way that is kind of unexpected, some crazy things happen within yeah. the first five minutes that I don't want to spoil. Okay. Cause it was pretty exciting for me. Um, but I enjoyed the characters in this movie. I think that is the point of the Suicide Squad is to mm-hmm. focus on these characters and how they operate in this world, how they change, where they've been, where they're going. The plot is present, but it always feels secondary to what is happening with these people we are observing. I will watch all day long Idris Elba in this role. Yeah. He absolutely killed it with some actually very credible acting which i was not expecting because i forgot he was in this and then i was like oh yeah (laughs) well obviously he's gonna have a steely gaze and be amazing because that's what idris elba does and he did it really well john john cena probably the biggest surprise in the movie for me he's really funny like that's not a surprise anymore i've said i've said this to you for so long john cena is very funny like i loved him in in transfer bumblebee or whatever he's very funny 
That's right. He was good in Bumblebee, but he had way more time to shine in this yeah, movie. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. And obviously Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is perfect. That's her role forever, I think, in the movie be what she's known for and she reprised it in fabulous fashion and i think they pushed the limits of harley quinn's devious deviancy yeah uh, to new levels in this movie and really showed a very kind of dark maniacal side to her with some amazing graphics and flowers and um i love the characters that's my whole point. Everyone was great. I love the polka dot man even. And yeah. uh, Rat Catcher 2 was probably my favorite character. She was amazing. So the characters drove this movie fantastically. Also, visually, this movie was wild to look at. There yeah. was so much going on in the way of effects and just the color palette and the CGI usage was was tremendous. It was just it was I I would say eye candy, but it was more like eye crack. Like I didn't want to look away. It was just okay. like I was I was fiending. Uh, so it was massively engaging. I think it was a movie that didn't take itself too seriously. And if you go in just expecting to be entertained and have fun and giggle and and maybe fall into liking some characters that you're not familiar with, and it was a really good movie. I massively enjoyed it it's probably top five superhero movies for me just because of the over the top graphic novel gore factor mm -hmm. that i really enjoyed because it it those are the comic books that i like to read the more adult r-rated like all the the dc dark those are great um so overall big fan really liked it was massively entertained and i am looking forward to seeing some of these characters hopefully continue on into other movies so yeah i really liked it what do you think max yeah i think it's important to lay out sort of when you get into franchises of this breadth and i'm thinking like marvel or harry potter or like anything with more than like a couple movies you do start to even unintentionally sort of compare them and so I'd like to say that I'm not a huge DC fan. Like there's been something like 10 movies that have come out since Man of Steel back in uh, 2013, if that's even possible. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. Um, of those, I think one is great and that's Wonder Woman. I think Birds of Prey was okay to good. And I think most of the others are basically terrible. So that said, like when I heard that James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy, was in on this, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like I don't necessarily want a reheat of the 2017 film, but I'm open to some new stuff. So I was going in for mm -hmm. like a popcorn, fun, exciting movie. And I think for the most part, I got it. Like I agree with you. This is very much, um, you know, character first. Like there's a, a MacGuffin basically is like, you guys have to go find this secret thing and destroy the secret thing. And along the way, you will either become a better team or not, and whatever, there's going to be infighting and jokes and all that kind of stuff. Like, I like that. Because um, mm -hmm. I love a good team-building montage. We I think we did some, we talked about this before, but like, there's, and without spoiling too much, and we can edit this if, if you think it's giving away too much, but there is a subversion of expectations that you started uh, talking about within this first five minutes that I thought was brilliant. Me uh, too. And I guess that's all I can say, but I was like, okay, like, this is not, definitely not the 2017 Suicide Squad. And it's, it's not like most of the other DC stuff that I've seen. So like, from that first maybe five to 10 minute segment. I was like, all right, let's see what happens. Yeah. And, and I, that felt very intentional to me. hundred percent. Yeah. It was great. It was almost like the same way. I feel like James Gunn came into naming this. Like he didn't call it suicide squad, which is what the first one was called. He called it the suicide squad. Like, mm -hmm. like the epitome of that's how it feels like 
this is the one that you need to care about. And like, that's how that first scene feels. He's like, look, this isn't what you're used to. This is going to be a new thing. So buckle up. Yeah, and it also that. wasn't labeled as, as a number two. Totally. I think that's critical as well. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because there are a couple of recurring characters, like we said. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, I, I thought it was pretty good, man. I It was maybe a little bit long-winded for, for my taste. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of killing. And a lot of it's played off in a comic sort of comedic way. Uh, comic comic book, comedic way. Mm-hmm. And it was fine for the most part. There is sort of a... Hmm, I don't think it's a spoiler. There's, it's a superhero movie, supervillain movie. Like there's a pretty big third act. There's like stuff that gets destroyed and whatever. They have to work together. And I don't think that whole thing worked. And I'll talk about that a little bit more when I can spoil stuff. But for the most part, I think it was pretty decent. Like I'm, I, I don't think I'll ever see it again, but if it, if it just happened to be on at home, like I'll probably keep it on. <laughs> there you, you go. Know? I, I, I will back up your long windedness. I feel like it could have been 20 to 30 minutes shorter and we would have had the same effect. Yeah. And I think it probably would have been more enjoyable. There is also a lot of commentary on sort of American imperialism and capitalism and, and all that is actually really great for comic book stuff. Like that can be woven in pretty well, but Mm -hmm. there are a couple of character tangents. Like Harley Quinn has a really long one that is almost justifiable from a certain flowery special effect that you mentioned, like it was almost worth it just to see that. But I think that would have been a great place to sort of trim some fat. Like you also have to meet this very diabolical villain who hates birds, I guess, which was like, like I thought he was gross anyways, but I didn't like that particular scene. I think, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, really quickly is, is like these characters, it is a character based movie, but these characters can often be very expensive. Um, and when, when James Gunn was hired on for this, they, Warner Brothers was like, all right, we want you to do a, a Batman movie. And he was basically like, I don't, I don't want to do a Batman movie at all. Like no one's doing one or, uh, and there's been so many done. And they were mm-hmm. like, all right, you can have basically whatever DC owned property you want. He's like, okay, I want to remake suicide squad. And some of these characters are so absurd. There's, there's the weasel that happens. There's <laughs> the the shark thing that I can't remember the name of. Um, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned, there's, there's the polka dot man. And mm-hmm. in a quote, James Gunn had said, uh, you know, the guy's like an experiment that went wrong and, and Gunn said he's the dumbest DC character of all time. But what he was hoping to do was turn that into into an almost tragic character in the film, somebody you could empathize with, um, which I think works pretty well. And I think that speaks to sort of a greater approach to as unoriginal as a superhero movie is, like he did bring mm-hmm. in some new characters. And and I think that sort of also lent to to this feeling like something fresh and new. Totally, because there's so much of a back catalog when you when it comes to comic books yeah. and comic book characters, both DC and Marvel, and the squad based comic book movie at this point has become rather you know formulaic. Yes. So for him to go deep, deep into DC history and pull characters out that maybe the casual fan, myself, yeah. I'm speaking of here, has never even heard of, and then endear them to me, I think great directing and also excellent use of the resources you have at hand. Like we don't need another Avengers. Right. Okay. Like I'm not asking for it. I want something new. I want something fun. Uh, and yeah, I I like the way that he did that. Yeah. The, the, the cultural tone towards superheroes, like is some, some of, at least part of it is like this really intense reverence. Like Thor has sort of this, like you almost don't laugh at that part of Marvel anymore. Cause as he's iconic, like, really hero characters, but I like that gun is, is like embracing the, the silliness of some of these. 
I can't remember the name of the character in the Suicide Squad, but there is a Marvel equivalent, which is sort of a common trend between DC and Marvel. Like they all have kind of like similar characters. But in mm-hmm. Marvel, there's a character called Arm Fall Off Guy. And mm-hmm. that's there's there's a character in this who has an abbreviation, it's an acronym, and I can't think of the TDK. TDK, which was uh what did it stand? Detachable kid. <laughs> yeah, T yeah. And it's like using that the way he does is so funny and like it doesn't have to be taken so seriously, but it also doesn't have to be taken as lighthearted and silly as the 2017 did. And I think James Gunn does a good job. So I think it was a great move by Warner Brothers to pick him to direct this. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Before we go to our break and hit the danger zone, let's give it a rating out of 10 uh, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah, I am, man. All right, hit me. Yeah. The, sui- the Suicide Squad, Johnny Summers. I'm going back between two scores back and forth. Okay. Is it one decimal point? No. Okay. It's- Mm, it's an, no, it's an eight five. That's freaking high, man. Yeah, it's okay. one of the most enjoyable superhero movies I've ever seen. Okay. And as far as like this style, it's right there with like Deadpool. Is just and Deadpool yeah. had the yeah. the benefit of the Ryan Reynolds sense of humor and mm-hmm. everything he brought to that character. But this, I would say, right in that same ballpark. Very safe to say, if you absolutely love Deadpool, you'll be all in on the Suicide Squad. So I think eight, five. Yeah, it's pretty fair. I'm going to give it a six. I think that's about as high as a movie like this can get from me, which is <laughs> is sort of like a backhanded way of saying it's perfect, you know, for for what it could have possibly ever been, which well, actually isn't quite true. It's not because it, there's actually some problems I have with it, but I can't really talk about them yet. Um, so for now, I'm going to stick with a six. You're going to stick with an 8.5. I think that's great. Once again, you have been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. The Suicide Squad is now in theaters and streaming on HBO Max. If you get the chance to see it and you have thoughts of your own, which I imagine you will, find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com, for reviews of film and movies and film movies and beer sure. and podcast episodes going all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, the full-length version of today's chat will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. wherever you listen to podcasts. And to all of our podcast listeners, we'll be right back to talk spoilers in the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. This is where we spoil the movie, or or at the very least, we can talk about it as if either everybody has seen it or doesn't care if we spoil it, which is, I think, the most succinct way I've ever said that. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. We're here. We're here to talk about a giant pink starfish and other things that Max didn't like about this movie. You know, the starfish was actually okay, um, and I'll, I'll get to, to a, a joke that I think got overplayed in a minute, but what I wanted to say first was, like, I teased this in the beginning, like, James Gunn is the director of Guardians 1 and 2. And then he was slated to direct Guardians 3, but then he got fired, which is the only reason he was able to do this, because you bet your bottom dollar, DC and Marvel are not sharing directors. No thank you. Yeah. So he got let go. Um, Basically, he, 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 he... Go ahead. He got canceled, yeah? Kind of. So yeah, in, in 2018, um, he spoke out against Donald Trump, and then this conservative commentator named Mike Cernovich drew attention to some controversial treat, uh, tweets that uh, James Gunn wrote back in like 2008. And basically, amongst all of this, Disney was like, all right, got to go. You, somebody, you've said something bad about somebody, and now people are mad. Very much canceled. Mm. Anyways, 
Gunn responded. He said, quote, I've regretted those jokes for many years since. Regardless of how much time has passed, I understand and accept the business decisions taken today. Even these many years later, I take full responsibility for the way I conducted myself then. All I can do now is offer my sincere and heartfelt regret to everyone inside my industry and beyond. I again offer my deepest apologies. Okay. Which is about the perfect reaction to that. Yeah. And so basically everybody, including the entire cast of Guardians of the Galaxy and a bunch of media outlets, ended up like flipping the narrative. They were like, this guy has been unjustly fired. Disney, what is the matter with you? This is, he's clearly admitted he was wrong and it was just some jokes and he apologized. And then uh, Marvel was like, I meant to say Marvel, um, was like, oh, okay, you're popular again and you did a good job on Guardians 1 and 2. We'd like to have you for Guardians 3. And he was like, uh-oh, I already signed a deal with Warner Brothers to direct this movie. And they were like, well, fuck. All right, can we get you back after? And he was like, yes. So now I think he's like the only director that's that's directed in both uh, camps. That's wild. Just so cool. Like he just, he was like, look, I'm a human. I made a mistake. Now I'm also making more movies. Very cool. Yeah, and like, I mean, there's different eras. I mean, if we went back and like boycotted every production company that made a movie yes. that had jokes about minorities or homophobia, yeah. like- it would be a massacre. Like we should probably cancel Jack Black and Ben Stiller for making Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I also and also like Dodgeball. Like it's yeah. come on. I feel like there's this 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 shouldn't be a surprise. There's this intense polarity between people's opinions where it's like everything should be fine. Like you should be able to make insert any name of an offensive movie from the 70s or 80s. You should be able to make that today, and nobody quit it with all you snowflakes. And the other side is like. If you've said one terrible thing, nobody should ever watch your shit ever again. And it's like, yeah. how about we're like, look, the cultural times were different. Like a movie isn't fully reduced to this one badly written line. But also maybe we adjust writing movies now with the social context we have. Like maybe don't make those movies again, but you can still enjoy them for what they were and also criticize the things that don't hold up. Like you would in any other part of a movie. Like the CGI sucks. Yeah, it was a different yeah. time. Hey, those people are homophobes. Yeah, they were dicks, and it, people were less less uh, aware of that. Yeah. It can be both. It was a different time. I think the problem with having polar extremes like that as far as opinions on those things go is, is neither extreme allows any room for people to change and improve. And I think that is a, a massive blind spot in society where, like, it's okay to have been wrong. Yeah. Like, we need to give people the room to evolve as human beings and apologize and do better, and then also still like have a job. I feel like that's not an unreasonable ask. In that spirit, I guess I didn't mean to conflate CGI with homophobia. One was a <laughs> limit of technology, and one was a limit of certain people's brains. So equally offensive different. to Max. <laughs> um, okay. Oh man. Um, I think. Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this 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 PG thirteen versus R distinction because, as most of us know, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy PG thirteen. So to some mm -hmm. extent, James Gunn being given the reins to an R-rated film did feel like sort of an unmuzzling to some extent. And I think it works. Definitely. There was not much holding back. I mean, it was it got to the point where it was even for me like borderline gratuitous, but it fit mm -hmm. the overall like vibe of the movie. And I agree, they kept it like graphic novelly yes. enough and lighthearted enough that it didn't just get depressing. The one time that didn't work for me, and I get it like I want to question the morals of some of these characters, but again, like they're, they're bad guys, right? Like down to it, they're terrible villains, but there's that scene where they are trying to rescue flag from this like 
army camp. Dude, and they just murder everybody. Like yeah. people are like drinking water and eating. Like I think like a woman gets shot. Like, and it's just no punches are pulled there. And then we find out those aren't even the bad guys. Those are like the resistance people that we should be rooting for. Mm-hmm. And that was like the only sort of morally muddy waters that we kind of got into. It was like, all right, I think this might've gone a little too far here. Like, I, I, I don't know. It was close. There were some yeah. funny uh-huh. kills there too, though. Cause it was like a dick there off were? between uh, yeah. those, whoever they are. Blood, uh, bloodshot, and bloodshot and <laughs> Captain uh, uh, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was all just a setup for the punchline of typical Americans. Yeah, totally. Can I also say that I learned a new word today? Do it. It was in the description on Wikipedia of John Cena's Peacemaker, and he's described as a, a jingoistic killer who believes in peace at any cost. You can pick what out the word. What does jingoistic mean? So I looked it up. Basically, it's a, it's a branch of nationalism that sort of advocates aggress, aggression and like just super proactive, um, you know, aggression towards foreign countries to maintain whatever, wherever you're from to maintain that peace. And I was like, jingoism, like what's the etymology of this? Nobody can really trace it except to songs of the late 1870s or so. Hmm. And basically it was this poorly documented way of, of, uh, basically saying it was like slang for Jesus. It was in this song. Um, I don't even know if the name is here. But it was like this British drinking song, and and the lyrics were like, "We don't want to fight, but by jingo, if we do, we've got the ships and we got the men, we've got the money too." So it's just like, "Fuck you, we're gonna fight you." Jingo, jingoism, mm. I guess. It sounds like a militant nationalism. Yeah, ultra nationalism. So okay. we've all learned something new. Ah, that I like wasting time. Interesting is what we've. No, I think that's. Yeah, I was. I saw that in the description. I was wondering what it meant. I was going to ask you after the show, but yeah. It's- Pretty cool. I was I gonna like try to words. get you to read it, and then I just skipped over it. I was gonna have you. Like, yeah, what does that mean? Like, oh, I happen to know. <laughs> yeah, as good as I'm reading today, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, last thing that I have, or or maybe the last thing that I have written down is like, there's a joke in this movie that happens that I thought was so effing funny, and that's when Polka Dot Man is describing his his quote unquote <laughs> superpower. He's like, my mother used to do these experiments. Whatever. She's terrible. And one of the characters, I think it was Ratcatcher, is like, where's your mother now? <laughs> because she's everywhere. And it cuts to a group shot, and his mother's face has been CGI'd on everybody, including the shark's body. That was her whole body. Uh, if, you, if you paid attention, like, every character it? had her build. Yeah, it was her whole oh, body. Oh, okay, but underneath, like, their Just, costumes and stuff? Yeah. That's great. It was, it was hilarious. Now, inevitably, depending on your sense of humor, like that's either going to get old if they do it again or just get funnier. And I think it happens mm-hmm. two more times. The last time being when he pictures the giant starfish demolishing the city as a giant, his mom. Mm-hmm. And that did not work for me at all. I was like, you guys have killed the joke. You've buried it. It's no longer funny. But what did you think of that part? Yeah, it was, it worked. Okay. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. Okay. And I think that's going to be a, a sort of love or hate kind of thing. But if I think if you really thought that was funny, you would have loved, like if you thought it was funny at all the first time, like, gorgeous the more they do it well i mean there i think for me it was funny it it was amusing but there was kind of a diminishing return yeah which is a shame because like what they could have done what i would have thought was even funnier is if instead of actually showing the entire squad if they just showed his face like a reaction shot like i see her everywhere and then Mm -hmm. like we just see his face and then we finally get the big reveal of what he's been seeing all along when it is the starfish like that would have worked even better to me i think yeah yeah but you had to have it set up to that point so you would know what was happening when it was all of a sudden just his mom i guess so maybe do it like once and then have the payoff at the end i think i could have extrapolated i think he's a good enough actor which who by the way um back on the note of polka dot man being um 
according to Gunn, the, the dumbest DC character of all time. Um, mm-hmm. When he approached uh, Dast Malkian, I hope I'm pronouncing David's last name right, who, who was the polka dot man. Um, I guess that actor has uh, vitilio, vit, vitiligo, vitiligo, perhaps? Vitilago. Thank you. That makes me, of course, vitilago. Um, and he says he felt a personal connection to the character for reasons, including being bullied and called polka dots as a child. No I way. Know, I can't. Is that real? I wonder if that's real. I got off Wikipedia, but like, what are the odds? You know? That's crazy. Yeah, but it speaks to, I think, sort of the uh, the emotional stakes that you can actually bring to otherwise silly characters, including Ratcatcher 2. You you harangued me for not bringing in Taika Waititi in the intro, so let's talk about that. Yeah, he played in flashbacks of Ratcatcher 1, yeah. or 2. He played Ratcatcher 1, right. which was Ratcatcher 2's dad. Uh, heroin junkie, yeah. also, like, you know, tra- learned how to harness rat power, which... I mean, turned out to be like maybe the most important yeah. and also kind of badass yeah. uh, skill. And also I love little Sebastian's relationship with Idris Elba. He just, this oh. little rat just wants him <laughs> to love him. You said little Sebastian. I just think of the horse. Yeah, I know. That's why I did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that flashback when there's a couple with him and there's one where she and Taika Waititi, she being, um, I'm going to find her name real quick because I think she deserves the credit. Uh, 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 Daniela Melchior. They're sitting on top of a clock tower and like the conversation is like, well, why, you know, why rats, dad? And he was just like, you know, rats are, according to people, like the most disgusting and lowest creatures. And if rats have a purpose, so do we all. I was like, that's so sweet. Like, that's a really nice moment. Right? Tycho with like, Leave it three lines yeah, yeah, totally. and one of them's just <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. So that was, I like that. That was a nice, that sort of redeemed some of the the dumber stuff, I think. Exactly. I agree. Um, I don't have a lot to spoil, but I did yeah. want to hear your thoughts on the third act. You said there was some things there that you weren't necessarily stoked on. Yeah. I mean, like to some extent, I'm sort of over massive city destruction fights. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. And like the zombie thing that it was funny when those little starfish rained down and like aliened onto people's faces, but mm-hmm. I didn't really understand the threat of those people. Like they were kind of just walking, but somehow yeah, they still overwhelmed. Really, like, I don't, did anything. Yeah. They just kind of walked and I think that idea could have been explored more. Like it's, it, it, it sends its consciousness into all these other creatures. And I didn't really get why it wanted the city. And I like from a government perspective, granted the government's sort of in shambles. So maybe this doesn't hold water, but like evacuate the city. If this giant alien just wants your city that sucks, it's like clearly not well taken care of buildings, barely have walls to let it have it just go somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it felt weird that this outer space alien, uh, starfish, yeah. Just wanted to dominate. That didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I also thought it was a nice touch or or an emotional touch to at the very end when it dies to be like, I was happy just floating through space looking at the stars. It's like really Yeah, that was kind of sad. Yeah, it's like, like oh it's like a think it's like the iron giant or any any misunderstood giant creature that we're just like, shoot it. It's like maybe why don't right. we give it a fucking Uber to space? Call Elon. Be like, can you take this thing back? Seriously, we got a star, star like, starfish, starship situation. Yeah, we could take you back. Like you don't we don't have to fight you necessarily. Like, you didn't start attacking us until we attacked you. I think people yeah. were wrong here. I think we made a mistake. Probably. We usually do. Uh, that's all I got on this. Me too, man. I'm ready to watch it again, though. I'd probably watch it right now. All right, man. I think that's enough on the Suicide Squad. Let us move into beer number two. What the frick are we drinking? Mouse Rock. Mouse Rock. I gave it to you. Comes in a can. What are you, are you singing? Yeah. Is that a riff on something real? Uh, it just reminded me of uh, Mouse Rat, yeah. so I was trying to set it to the uh, candor, if you will, of Sex Hair. Nice. The the rare uh, double Parks and Rec reference in one episode this week. 
Nice. That's right. Very cool. Uh, so yes, Mouse Rock. It's an IPA. It's 7.2%. It's got a fantastic can. Matt, ugh, my tongue just got stuck in my mouth. Max. Where, does it usually come out? You like tongue, uh, tongue, tongue detached kid? Detachable tongue kid. Uh, <laughs> Max, soak in the can and get ready to describe it while I read this beautiful description. Uh, this classic IPA is a fine balance of malt and hop, giving you the hoppy experience but with a malty backbone to carry throughout. With bold notes of grapefruit and dank resin, this beer is sure to bring back some memories of drinking IPA before they went new school. Hops. You have CTZ, Citra, Mosaic in the boil, and it was dry hopped with Huel Melon, Mandarina, and Idaho 7, where there are lots of dirt over there. hey Deep cut. Um, speaking of deep cuts, you're going to have to help me with this can. There's a movie with Tom Cruise where he plays in a rock and roll band. Do you know what it's called? Hmm. He wears. Are you thinking of not Tom Cruise? It's possible. No, I think it's Tom. It's yep. definitely Tom Cruise. It's okay. not Will Ferrell. If you're thinking of uh, no, I'm okay. thinking of Rockstar. No, with um, not Matt Damon, but the other guy, Tom Cruise. The guy, no, the guy that was in the other guys with Will Mark Ferrell. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. No, I'm not thinking of that. Uh, maybe you can figure okay. it out for me. But there's a, a a movie with Tom Cruise where he plays rock and roll, and for some reason, the lettering on this can that says Mouse Rock looks a lot like sort of. What, you know, like that kind of rock and roll thing. It also has a sunburst coming from the bottom of the can, expanding towards the top and going wider. Um, it's a combination of, I'm going to say red and yellow. And it looks great. And I'm also going to make a slight correction to the notes that I had written because the thing that I found online is, I guess, maybe not the most current. This one says instead, this, the can does, this beer rocks bursting with tropical and citrus aromas from a heavy dose of Strata, Simcoe, and Nelson hops. It's like going to a show with three headliners, all ready to put on a great performance. Crisp and clean, like all our West Coast IPAs, this beer will hit your taste buds like a crazy train. Nice reference, then leave you begging for more. Are we talking about some obscure genre of music or just an underwater rock feature off the coast of Cayucas? Who knows? Hashtag oh Wildfields Forever. Nice. Uh, so I apologize for my, well, terrible description, but also will never apologize for the amount of research that I did on all of those hops that now no longer applies. <laughs> You go deep, man. You go deep. Um, this is 7.2%. We've got it in a pint can. Johnny, have you opened yours? I have. I have opened it. I've poured it. I've smelled it. And I've drank it. Okay, I need first and impressions. that movie was called Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Thank you so much. Looks like that font. Yeah, it does. Okay, so thoughts on Mouse Rock? Oof. This is really damn good. Mm. Smells great. Oh, boy. Okay, so this has basically... <laughs> A lot of the same notes as the first beer with an ABV that I feel is way more appropriate. Dare I say turned up to 11? Um, it does feel like it's been turned up to 11. Great. Um, I like this beer a lot, man. It's it's super punchy, definitely pithy and bitter, but like immensely crushable, like super crushable. Like I could kill, I poured half the can in this glass and it was hard to stop drinking it. I think this is... Very nice. It is much crisper than I would think most single IPAs would be. Uh, it definitely speaks to his time at Beechwood. I'm I'm assuming that the foundation of what they're making now was helped to be laid down by him. Yeah. And I really like their current beer. Yeah. So it's no surprise that this IPA falls right into line with some of the best stuff that Beechwood's making right now. Yeah, I want to point out again. Um, so Ryan and I'm still going to stick with Jackie. Um, had both worked at Beechwood and Pizza Port, and I think I just kind of skimmed their website, but there was also some experience at the Lost Abbey. So, I mean, I mean, the Lost Abbey is the one that sticks out to me as kind of the the 
you know, if you had to line those three up, like which one doesn't fit, it'd be like that one. But there is so many different stylistic things that happen to those breweries, but particularly Beachwood and Pizza Port are known, or at least in my brain are known for like those really crisp, dank IPAs. And that for sure Mm -hmm. shows in this. Yeah, absolutely. It, it shines through and this beer is just bright, approachable, so nice. Yeah. I was updating our website today and I checked our about section and I'm, it's still listed as we did like, we have a little, if you haven't seen our website, it's fun, but there's a part underneath each of our bios that has like a couple quick notes of like fun facts about us. And we each have like our go-to beer and mine is still Mm -hmm. listed as torpedo, which is like when we made the website four or five years ago, uh, Mm -hmm. four years ago, which now doesn't hold up. Like I was looking, I was like, I don't even, torpedo is not that great. And the reason I think of that now is because this beer is as strong ABV wise as torpedo and feels way lighter, way more drinkable, which is fun because I love torpedo deep down in my heart. It's something that I love and I will treasure forever. But I think that I like this beer more. That's fine, man. I mean, you hate torpedo. Yeah. I've never been the biggest fan. It's just too malty. It's just too chewy and, and, and doesn't do it for me, but I can completely understand how cutting your teeth on that beer, as far as craft beer goes, uh, it would endear you to it. And, you know, obviously create nostalgia and, and a special place in your heart. So I'll never fault someone for, you know, still loving a Sierra Nevada beer. Yeah. I just, I question them if they don't have any beers from this decade that they also enjoy. <laughs> That's fair enough. I've checked the bottom of the Mouse Rock can. It was date uh, canned the same date as our first one, July 27th. Um, so yeah, like two weeks, two weeks young. This is, this is also great. I don't even think I've told you my initial thoughts yet, but. No, what do you think, man? I really like it. Like it's, yeah. it is so light, but, but also it has some body to it. Like, I think what you're saying about it sort of being a turned up version of the first one is not incorrect. It's very good. I'm, I need to go back for a second drink or, or it might be my, my third drink at this point, but I need to try it again. <laughs> Cause I think it's going to be one of those, I don't have any wood near me, but knock on it. That that's going to be sort of in the, in the higher echelon of beers that I've drank this year. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. It's, it's fantastically well-made. I feel like this one fulfills what I was looking for a little bit more than the first one. I mean, the first one was good for what it was. Wasn't crazy about it. Um, if I'm drinking something that light, ABV wise, I want more crispiness. But this is like it's somehow lighter than the first one, and also yeah. heavier on ABV. It's it's very strange, but there's a subtle fruit note in it that I really like. It's got just really faint like stone fruit notes. I was gonna say peach. Yeah, very enjoyable because peach, in fact, is a stone fruit. It is so. Yeah, right on, man. I like this beer a lot. It's it's world class. This is uh, this is definitely putting this brewery on the radar for me, big time. Yeah, I was gonna address that sort of stone fruits, probably more general and, and probably more accurate. But I was thinking peach, and there is like that peach sweetness. It almost feels like a peach ring kind of sweetness without being cloying or, or overpowering. But mm-hmm. it is a nice sort of counterpoint to the intense hop. Hoppiness that comes up front. Yeah. It's a good balance beer. I think it's a, it's a nice middle ground for people that, um, if I had to divide us into two camps, you and I, uh, you love West coast IPAs. If you had to pick to only ever drink West coast or new England or East coast beers or IPAs for the rest of your life, you definitely pick West coast. And I think I would definitely pick new England, but this Mm. is a great beer that kind of meets in the middle. I think it assuages both camps. I agree. I think it's far from the level of sweetness of an East Coast, but Agreed. I think it does have 
that bit of, of subtle juice factor to it from just some delicious hopping. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's also far I, from the bitterness of, of like an arrogant bastard or something. Or even like the first beer we had. Totally, the, yeah. Um, to make it snappy. Uh, it's definitely a far cry from that level of bitterness. It's it's also, I think, it might even be the same amount of bitterness, but it's less dry, which makes it mm-hmm. an overall mm-hmm. more pleasurable and perceived possibly more juicy and sweet drinking experience because uh, it does not finish nearly as dry. It's got those nice nice finish, mouth-watering finish. So, uh, yeah, I like this beer a lot. Yeah, it feels like a very good... I like to I like to often picture myself in various locations when I taste a beer. It kind of puts me in the mood. And my first instinct was a beach beer, but I don't think that's quite right. I think this might be a mountain beer. I was going to say camping beer. <laughs> the stupid thing is like if you look at the can, there's a freaking mountain underneath where it says Mouse Rocks. Like maybe I'm just that suggestible. I'm like, yeah, a mountain. That sounds exactly right. But mm-hmm. I really think it holds water. Like a, like a good camping beer, but maybe not tent camping, like cabin camping, I think. Like this is a mm. sweet like... Yeah, like I would drink Max, this all day camping. Is this a jet ski beer? I I don't want to risk spilling it, so no. No, but like you you carry it with you in a specially crafted fanny pack that's insulated with some ice. I mean, to your final destination on a distant shore. Yeah, far I, from yeah. all buildings. I, I mean, that sounds kind of nice. Like just you know, you're on the water and you're catching some sweet waves, and then inevitably the beer is going to be shaken up a little bit. But I'll just open it above my mouth and let the foam spill in. It'll be like a cascading hop eruption. Bro, did we just write them a beer commercial? Um, Wild Fields, if you're listening, feel free to use any of that. Please give credit where credit is due. Also, give him a jet ski. He'll do all this oh, for free. Yeah, we'll film it. We'll make it real. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if... <laughs> if yeah. We'll do it give, Max, ac- give Max access to a jet ski for an afternoon. You'll have a whole commercial. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You can ride tandem with me with a, with a, with a selfie stick and just yes. film it from the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Okay, it's rating time, my friend. Rating time. This beer is strong. It is powerful. It is an excellent first beer from this brewery. It is upper echelon. You say first beer from this brewery? First, yeah, as first impression wise. Oh, I see. Uh, it's the first IPA I've had from them. First impression. Sure. Second beer, first beers today from this brewery. Um, it's strong, man. Strong work coming out the gate. This feels like a, like a eight, nine. Oh, man, that's frustrating for a lot of well a lot of reasons mathematically for me it's frustrating because for me it's a nine it's very good i would i -hmm. I would love to get this again i I would i'm gonna look for this when i get back to town hell yeah okay that's mouse rock that's wild fields brew house get your hands on it we got ratings at sns great ratings um i if you're in chico it's probably also at spikes and if you're not in chico find it somewhere or just go to their website and and order it yourself google them you'll find their stuff do it yeah you could have this just delivered to your house. That doesn't sound like a bad time, I now, know. does it? Yeah, I think it's one of those one of those beers, and dare I say, one of those breweries that would probably be worth it. Yeah, it's a little more expensive. Fair. You got to buy it. You know, you got to buy a little bit more than you probably would just go in your bottle shop. But I think you'll drink this beer, so why not? Or hey, make a friend, split a case. I saw a movie last week with my sister Bailey. It was called Stillwater. It stars Matt Damon. I'm gonna play you a trailer for it. Here it goes. The day you left from Marseille, I drove to the airport. I went to the gift shop and I saw this necklace. It was gold, it said steel water on it. I thought it'd be a little piece of home to take with you. Some folks are born made to wear the fly. 
you're in Marseille for vacation? Yeah, I'm visiting my daughter. You're the father of the girl, the, the American student? Yes, ma'am. Allison came here for college, and that's where she met this girl, Lena. One night she found Lena dead and called the police. All they cared about was Allison sleeping with some Arab girl. I loved her. I know you did. But everybody thinks that I killed her. We have exhausted every possible legal action. Is the lawyer not helping you? I'm doing it myself for now. I could help. What's your name? Maya. Maya. Oh, that's nice. She's very protective with me. You seen that guy before? No one would talk to you, trust me. I'm not from here. It's not safe for you. She's my little girl. Dad. Please. I'm not gonna give up. It will be a serious mistake to commit a crime to prove your daughter innocent. It will not get her out of jail. And it will send you in. Lord, please keep a watchful eye on Allison. Amen. Police. Did you ask her to lie? I'm trying to get my little girl out of jail. That's all I give a damn about. You sound very American right now. Good, I am. Yeah, and you're also a stranger here. What did you do? You just have to trust me. Johnny, that was a trailer for Stillwater. Have you heard of this movie? I have, and I'm really curious to see if this is going to either make you happy or sad. Another way to say that might be. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we're technically in the grounds of Hot and Bothered here, though I am just going to give this more of a quick film review. And I will say, just to to satiate sort of the the two checkbox options, it doesn't fit, actually. It's got to be somewhere in the middle because I thought this was going to be like a almost taken style kind of da- daddy revenge movie. <laughs> oh, don't Which say not, it like that, Yeah, I didn't please. like it, but that's what I kind of pictured. You know, it's like it's like a dad going to, to a foreign country to basically get his daughter out of uh, being wrongly imprisoned for a murder she says she did not commit. I'm going to read you the, uh, I think this was IMDb. An American oil rig roughneck, that's Matt Damon, travels to Marseille, France to visit his estranged daughter in prison. Here we go. For a murder she claims she didn't commit. Confronted Mm -hmm. with language barriers, cultural differences, and a complicated legal system, he soon builds a new life for himself as he makes it his personal mission to exonerate her. Uh, It was directed by Tom McCarthy. It hit theaters July 30th, and it runs two hours and 20 minutes, which I will say, no spoilers, is too long for this movie. That's fair. Um, also, no spoilers. I think this is just in the grounds of like, know what you're getting into. This is not a Taken type movie. Um, it's it's dreary. It's a dreary film. Uh, okay. And I didn't like the way it made me feel. But because I was so unprepared for that, I don't know that I can review it objectively. I think I might have to see it again, despite not really enjoying the experience. Either see it again or just give it some time, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's been about a week and a half. Oh shit. Yeah. So like there's a lot to be said about, about Americans in this movie. And it feels like, like it's a good character. The Matt, he does a good job in this movie. Matt Damon does. It's, it's certainly the Matt Damon show. Um, Mm. the problem is it's not a particularly interesting or endearing character. So you Mm. find yourself, or I found myself rather spending two and a half hours with a pretty unlikable dude who makes 
I would say at every turn, stupid decisions. And, and, yeah, and I go ahead. From the trailer, it looked like this movie was sponsored by Carhartt. Yeah. And to some extent, he's from Oklahoma and he works on an oil rig and like he's gruff and tough and not in touch with his emotions, but he loves his daughter and he's willing to do whatever it takes. And like, that's a particular type of character. That's like middle America, not Hollywood polished people that, that almost feels like the type of person you would see in a Chloe Zhao movie. Like mm. I've seen Nomadland, like that feel like it's the same little pot or, or like a Sean Baker thing. Like it's, it's, it's highlighting a portion of America that we don't often focus on, which mm. is a good kind of story to tell. I think it works really well on the Florida project, but when you take it to a different country and start incorporating the, the differences between French culture and American culture and like what it means to be masculine and like the, 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 a new opportunity, like you can start over kind of thing. And then just to see that opportunity every time squandered because you're, you're irresponsible or, or he's not dumb, but he is makes terrible. Mm. It's like Michael Scott who actually I think is dumb. Um, but also very endearing. So he's nothing like Michael Scott, I guess. Um, all in all, I would just say if you're in the mood for something that might, uh, kind of bum you out, um, but does kind of have a bit to say about sort of, uh, I don't know, like failure or, or, or shortcomings almost being hereditary to a sense. Like there's a lot to be said for, for that. And I think Matt Damon does a good job. It's a competently made movie. Like it's never flashy, but it's fine. You know, like I wasn't bored. Yeah. But I was just like, all right, I think I get it. Like, I think I got this 45 minutes in. Yeah. Um, the second act is definitely the strongest. There's a whole portion where he sort of frames his new life with these, uh, this mother and daughter. And, and that's a really sweet moment. I think it's when Matt Damon gets to do his most, most of his acting. Like, he gets to show a little bit of emotion. And it's not too much. It stays true to the character. But it's, uh, it's something. Versus him just, like, okay. walking through streets with two stiff legs and his hat pulled over his head and, like, you know, marching like a guy that works on oil rigs. Like he did a good job with that. So still water. All right. It's in theaters. See it if you'd like. Yeah. Do you, okay. So you kind of like vaguely recommended it if I want to be sad. Yeah. Um, if you're in the mood for like a Matt Damon movie that isn't, um, you know, no, that's not Ford versus Ferrari. It's not, uh, what's the born identity? 37. No, no, it's not, which is, I don't know. I didn't want that either, but it's, it's not a feel good movie. It's a, it's a well acted, competently made Film, you could miss it and you could see it, and I don't think your life will be that different. Okay, so not to put you on the spot with it. an asterisk because you said you want to see it again, but give me an out of ten. Yeah, you know, like a six probably. Okay, I wanted to go to the theater and it worked, so I, I went to go. the theater and a movie played that I thought was pretty goal okay. Ac <laughs> goal accomplished. <laughs> yeah, so I'll give Stillwater a six. But all, all that right. to say, what's got you hot or bothered this week, my friend? Well, you know, we had a pretty mellow weekend. It was a lot of hiding out from the smoke. Uh, so a lot of team indoors for me this yep. week. Did some catching up on sleep Saturday. Had plans to go hit a couple breweries in Sacramento and slept through it. Mm -hmm. um, but one highlight is did get some amazing pastries from Upper Crust. Had ourselves a little champagne breakfast, uh, a little treat yourself Sunday. So yeah. that was nice. Kind of just do something different out of the ordinary uh, the other thing that's got me actually probably the most hot is I've been doing prep work for our list on Patreon this week that we yeah. just recorded, nice. which was our top five movie soundtrack draft. And I love music. I love movie soundtracks. Uh, I have since I was a kid. Um, I mean, if you're on Patreon, you'll hear that. If you're not, I mean, this is 
the best commercial I can ever give for Patreon. It's going to get better. Because I had so much fun making it and uh, preparing for it. I was listening to movie soundtracks for, I don't know, at least a few days building up Mm -hmm. to it just to get me in the mood. Everything from some Wes Anderson films to The Breakfast Club, which is an amazing soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that was probably the most fun I've had in a long time prepping for a segment just because I got to listen to all my favorite movie soundtracks. So that has been the soundtrack of the movie that is my life for the last few days. And that has definitely got me hot. And if you want to hear more about that, for sure... Shameless self-promotion. Check out our Patreon, freshhopcinema.com slash Patreon. Uh, you should consider joining. There's tons of bonus stuff like that. This one I'm super stoked about, and it deserved a mention. And if you don't want to give us money, you can still leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever the heck you listen to little podcasts in your ear holes. We'd love it. We'd appreciate it. As always, the show wouldn't be possible. Definitely wouldn't be what it is without the support of one, Bailey Minardi, who I saw Stillwater with. You can find us on all the social media, as we mentioned. Send us an email if you've got a lot to say, fhccast at gmail.com. That is Johnny Summers. And that's Max Minardi. Now, you guys, be sure to drink some tasty beer. Listen to good movie soundtracks. And go save your daughter from France. And go save your daughter from the (laughs) French. But most importantly, above all things, be good to each other. We love you. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.